I knew a little bit about a mock, the moccasin game. I had one at home. So I just kind of brought it in for the students to see. And, you know, it was just totally different atmosphere than the weeks before. There was uh, curiosity, engagement. So I went home and I, I was like, I got to figure out how to capture that excitement every week. Buju Anin, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Cole Primo. And I'm your other host, Leah Lem. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is more than a podcast and radio show. At its core, it's a place for Native folks to tell their stories. And every week, we have captivating conversations with great guests from a bunch of different backgrounds. We talk with them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community. And it all centers around the big point of purpose in our lives. And I can't wait to continue amplifying Native voices today. Cole, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Leah. Uh, Happy recent birthday. What did you do to celebrate? Oh, well, let me tell you. I uh, did a pottery class and made some very lopsided pottery. So always continue playing and exploring in art. <laughs> uh, hit up the state fair, of course. And I also finally, I know I'm, it's, it's going to seem bad, but it's the first time I went to Awamni, the wonderful restaurant yeah. with Sean Sherman. Um, I went there with a couple friends and we had, I don't know, probably everything on the menu, I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> what were some of your favorites? Some of my favorites, definitely sweet potatoes and both of the desserts and the bison taco. Nice, nice. So I could just sit there all day and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I actually went there recently too for the first time and I really loved the elk tacos and okay. the oysters, yeah, just a lot of good stuff. So that was a great trip. See, I live so far away. I want to go. <laughs> I wish I lived right there so I could just hop on over. It's only mm. three and a half hours. Come on up. Yeah, no problem. No problem. <laughs> but let's get into today's show. Uh, we have a great guest with us today. We have Tony Drews. Tony is a first-generation direct descendant from the Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe who has worked with Native communities his entire professional career. He's had many roles, and we'll certainly get into more of his background, but uh, as of right now, he works as program coordinator for the American Indian Family Empowerment Fund at the Tewahe Foundation. And he's also the founder and president of Nashke Native Games. So a lot of ground to cover and uh, he's here with us right now. Buju, Tony. Buju, miwa awa chinodin. Tony nindijinakaz, kagaskwa uh, so my name is Tony. Uh, as, as you said, I'm a first generation direct descendant from Leech Lake. Um, I'm from the Sturgeon clan. Chinodin is my Indian name, which means big wind. Um, that was given to me by my grandma's cousin and was handed down um, from my great-great-grandma. Um, and today I'm, I, I, I live in Ham Lake. Um, so I'm coming, coming from you today in Ham Lake in Oka County. Very nice. How are you doing? How's the family doing? Uh, life is well. I'm very happily married. Um, I have three children going into school here and uh, about a week, I got two going into high school. One is a freshman and one is a senior. And then I got a kidney gardener, uh, super excited to start his his educational career at uh, elementary. So life is good, super busy, uh, but but that's that's great. 
So Tony, what's on the top of your mind these days? Is there anything that you're thinking about? Anything with the end of summer or change of seasons? Or, you know, I'll just leave it up to you. How about that? Yeah, well, this this tends to be my favorite time of year. Part of our culture uh, is kind of the wild rice season. Uh, me and my dad used to do that quite a bit. Um, but we haven't been able to make it out racing uh, lately just with, with schedules. But that time of year always just brings back all that nostalgia. Uh, we we are a family of the outdoors. So getting ready to go out duck hunting and maybe pulling out our traps to to get our traps ready. Um, this year particular, though, this is our first year uh, a fall season for Nushke Games. And, you know, working with schools has, has been a, a really great opportunity for us. And now that the students are back in school, making, reconnecting with those school relationships, um, there's just a lot going on right now. And um, super excited about everything. Nice. Let's let's get into Nushke Games. Could you, you know, talk about how that all came about and what was the inspiration behind that? Yeah, so boy, about six, seven years ago, um, I found myself working in the Noka Hennepin Indian Education Program. I took a couple of years off of work when my uh, wife passed away. And that was a great re-entry back into to work as working with our Native youth. And as I started to meet the youth that I was working with, uh, super excited. The kids were, a lot of them very excited to tell me that they were Indian or or Ojibwe or Dakota, you know, some of them knew what tribe they were from. I was fortunate enough to work with um, secondary students, so middle school and high school students. But, you know, as we started to do a deeper dive, it really came evident to me that a lot of them, the suburban natives didn't, uh, I don't know how to say this, but, you know, just a little disconnect from their culture. And the way, you know, we were told to, to give them that cultural enrichment is to get up like teachers do at the chalkboard and, you know, kind of teach like this. And week after week, it just met with blank stares and retention wasn't there. And I was like, God, I, this is, I got to do something different because this isn't what I want, want this to look like week after week. And, uh, you know, I, I knew a little bit about a mock, the moccasin game, not a lot, but I, um, I had one at home. So I just kind of brought it in for the students to see. And, you know, it was just, totally different atmosphere than the weeks before. There was uh, curiosity, engagement, questions. Uh, so I went home and I, I was like, I got to figure out how to capture that excitement every week. So slowly started to figure out uh, some games that I knew and, and how to how to tie culture and language into that. And next thing I knew, my coworkers in, in my district were saying, hey, Tony, what do you got going on over there? So we'd share, and then then I'd get phone calls from people in other districts saying, "Hey, Tony, what the what what's the games you're doing?" And um, so that that's kind of the start of where Nushke Nushke Games got its start. Can you talk about the name Nushke? I was just looking for something fun, and uh, originally I was going to go with um, Anasha for nothing. Hmm. You know, just we're just doing this for nothing. But it just didn't, it wasn't fitting. And I just, and, and then one day, uh, you know, I heard Nashke and I'm like, look, check it out. And like the dictionary says, behold. And I thought, what a great name, like behold, Native Games. And, uh, you know, we took our, our branding, our logo from the petroglyphs, our original teachers. So our, our emblem is supposed to emulate uh, the rock paintings, uh, maybe an image there. So I'm um, using those images 
to guide us today in our teachings. I'm actually really curious about like how it all comes together, you know, from the moccasin game, you see it, you're inspired by it, to it like becoming a, a game that you present to the class. Yeah, so when I went home and I started going through all of the different things that I knew and different avenues for games, and we call it Miigwech. And if if you know any Ojibwe language today, like the three words you're going to know, Buju, hello, Miigwech, thank you, and Gigawabamen, I'll see you later. Well, Miigwech is a fur trade era word. It, today, we use it as thank you, but in our culture, Amewaja, uh, there's really there was really no way to say thank you. There's a word that they use in the ceremonies, but we didn't walk around saying, "Oh, thank you for letting me use your canoe." Like that's an English concept, or even like love, like that. The way we use love today comes from the French and English. You know, is embedded in our culture. So all of our games are meant uh, to be the catalyst to talk about culture. So as as I came up with that concept of me which and and how that word got its origin we talk about me being like an emphatic like it is thus i think is what the dictionary says so maybe at the fur trade when when two parties are trading you might hear me go me go when you're throwing up maybe your beaver hides and uh and then once you had enough maybe beaver hides for a bushkizagun a gun you might hear like me which it's enough and then after i don't know tens of thousands of that saying and that separation, uh, it, it transforms into thank you. So we played a, we've been playing a contemporary game um, growing up that I felt really fit that that teaching of me which. So we use different fur trade items because before we came up with these games, these are things that I was talking to my youth about. Wabuyan blankets, like blankets have a deep cultural meaning to our people. So does the amikwion, the beaver hides, the beads. We have 15 different trade item goods right now that we use as a catalyst in our games to talk about culture. And it's a fur trade game. We trade fur trade items. We trade them live. Um, and we can use these games to talk about the culture. And, and like one of the biggest things that really sparked this is as I was meeting those those. Abanujis, those little kids, and they were telling me that they were Ojibwe or Dakota. And um, I had an illustration of Wayne Buju, and I'd ask them, Oh, do you know, you know, Wayne Buju or who this guy is? And nobody, like one out of 10 students, might have known who he was. And, and that hits me, and that tells me, like, that's the equivalent of being Christian and not knowing Jesus. So, like, we put those cultural heroes in our games for a minimum for our youth to see these figures and ask the question, who is this? But then uh, teachers use our games so they can use those images to start the conversation of who these cultural heroes are, as well as just providing youth the opportunity to ask the questions. How have the youth received these games? It, uh, it's been unbelievable. Like this, this whole endeavor was just meant to make my job easier. <laughs> and uh, what what has actually come of it is is amazing. Uh, one of my coworkers used this the last day of school with a couple of her native students, and they did it in the Commons area at Blaine High School. And next thing you, she knew, 
not only were her students playing, but she had uh, a ton of non-native students in, and then a whole bunch of people behind watching. And then a teacher came over and she thought that the teacher was gonna softly reprimand them for being so loud. But then the, the teacher supported it. And um, the enthusiasm has been just unbelievable. Um, and so we do a lot of game events and not only are our youth excited about it, um, our adults, like watching the community play my games or our games just brings so much joy to my heart because you can just see the the pride, the fun. And then, and then even with the elders, like I just didn't see all this happening, like how well the community would embrace this. But it just shows me that there was a need. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Tony Drews, a first-generation direct descendant from Leech Lake Band of Ojibwe, and he is the president and founder of Nashke Native Games, helping children and adults to learn Ojibwe culture and language. He's also program coordinator for the American Indian Family Empowerment Fund at the Taiwahi Foundation. When we do our game nights, particularly, I'd say 80% are adults and they're just a, just a blast having fun. Um, the majority of our games are starting out at that seventh grade level, um, but we've incorporated puzzles and matching tiles to bring in the younger youth too, just to get them started, the association. Um, one of our games is all about birds. It's our take of go fish, but we use our winged relatives. So if if our our youth aren't old enough to play the game of Benashiug, we make the matching tiles for them to flip over and see Ojibwe imagery of the Migazi. And then on the tiles, one tile will be in Ojibwe and one tile will be in English, just to start that exposure. But truth is, my high school kids love those puzzles and tiles just as much as the games. Where did this come from? Like where like where did your passion for parlor games and, you know, making these games come from? Well, it's funny you say that. I have zero passion for games. Uh, we we, okay. we didn't grow up playing many games, like uh, maybe Monopoly, me and my brother. But um, my passion is is our community and our youth. I worked for 10 years at Indi Young, our home center, a culturally um, specific emergency shelter for Native youth. I worked at Circle of Life in Anishinaabe, uh, native specific home care and PCA services. And then, as I said before, I took some time off of work when my wife passed, but um, getting right back into youth education when I entered the workforce is, is my passion. And, you know, we were, con my job was one, um, culture enrichment, but also academic success. And I, I was fulfilled in my job with uh, the relationships and making sure that our students felt supported in the classroom. But there was that piece missing. Um, I, The youth are hungry to learn our culture, but there's just been a disconnect in how we've been teaching it. Have you seen other ways that Indian education has improved in Minnesota or at the Anoka Hennepin School District? Was, how has it changed over the years? Leah and I, like twenty plus years ago, were in the in Indian Ed back in Anoka High School, and I. Oh, were you? Yeah. <laughs> oh yep. yeah. 
it was it was uh, great to you know be taken out of your your class. Oh yeah, right? just be like you know whatever, whatever. <laughs> we get to we get to do this. We're special. But yeah, I don't remember too many. I mean, sometimes I remember some games, but a lot of it was you know, you know, just trying to learn words, um, making dr- little drums, dream catchers, and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, the funny thing was I was in the Noki uh, Hennepin Indian Education Program when I was in school too. I went to Blaine High School, um, and that was a little bit more than twenty years ago. But we basically just got pulled out for our grades. There wasn't a whole lot of culture enrichment. Maybe maybe a couple um, in elementary, maybe more heavily so, just learning a couple of words or not. But I went to the University of Minnesota, studied American Indian studies in the language. And I really find that because you may be Native American, through the eyes of non-Native Americans, you are automatically an expert on our culture. Oh, and a lot of our youth haven't. <laughs> had the exposure to to be an expert. Um, So what the approach I took is I just wanted to give our youth an exposure as much things as I could. So that's why maybe the blanket, we don't talk about for a full year, but there's a lot of history behind the blanket or the, the fur trade era in general, or even federal Indian policy. Like there's a lot there, but it's okay to to share some of that stuff with the youth at a secondary level. So when they get into college and their their friends find out they're Indian and they're like, why do you get to go to school for free? Our 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 youth can say, back up, you know, and not be blindsided. I remember being in college in this seminar class and somebody found out I was native and she asked me. If there's one thing you could say about Native people, what would it be? And I'm like, what? <laughs> one thing, first of all, about all Native people, what would that be? Um, yeah, so it, I keep remembering that question. But being able to respond to a question like that through being educated about the number of tribes there are or the diversity of tribes or... Um, that we're not all the same or that even we're still here um, and continue to be here or some sort of response to that question, I think would be, seems like that would come out of this uh, new and improved and continually changing education. It's a hard thing because of what you're just saying and the fact that, you know, our culture has been taken from us. At least in my experiences, there's a portion of Indian education advisors that are tasked with, with um, providing culture enrichment that don't have that background or understanding. So they're at a loss when they're tasked with providing that culture enrichment. So I think that's why my games have been so successful in that era too, that it gives uh, individuals that might not have a deep knowledge of our culture and history, a place to start. And it's easy. They don't have to research it for five hours. They can just play the game. And then as they play the game, culture comes out or um, it's a a nice avenue to teach those easy words. So I think that's another reason um, that there's been so much excitement about my games. In addition to they're just super fun. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. 
Today, we're speaking with Tony Drews, Leech Lake Band first-generation descendant, who is founder and president of Nashke Native Games, helping children and adults to learn Ojibwe culture and language. He's also program coordinator for the American Indian Family Empowerment Fund at the Tiwahe Foundation. What are you working on next for, like, the next game? Got a couple games. The fun thing about games are, is once you kind of figure it out, you can find ways to include culture in so many different avenues. Um, but the one that I'm working on right now immediately that hopefully will be coming out in November, it, it's called Gee Wayne, Go Home. And what happens is each player will have seven different family members that they can choose from in their family. And maybe you might pick the mom and dad or the grandma and grandpa or the boy or the girl. I even included a, a pet, pet, uh, my ing and a pet wolf. So of your seven family members, you'll pick four to represent your family in the gameplay. And you will, you will be in your lodge. And depending on the cards you flip will determine what kind of moves you make. And we, we include more cultural objects um, to talk about. Um, but once you get out of your lodge, you will travel through the four seasons, trying to elude the misfortune that the, the gameplay will bring or your, your co-players might bring to you uh, into your family's teaching lodge. And once you get into your teaching lodge, you're safe. And it's, it's kind of a mix between maybe um, sorry and trouble. Um, but we use we use um, some great you know cultural icons in there to to use be the catalyst to talk about culture. Um, it's just a super fun game. And then the next one that I I just started working on. So there's this story about uh, oh, our friend Wayne Abuju and uh, how he steals fire. And it's an old story, and a lot of our students don't know about that story. There's some really good books out there now that tell that story, but we're adapting it into a form of cribbage. So you'll use numbers to move through the gameplay to get over to that place where that old man's lodge is with his daughters and the fire. So then uh, your Wayne Abuju will, will travel over there. And then if you don't make it there, you get skunked, right? But then if you get there and you get back, you can win. So that, that one's in the real beginning forms, but I'm super excited about that one. Have you hit any challenges along the way? Like, what's been the toughest part of this? I keep saying I keep waiting for the, the shoe to drop, and it, it, it hasn't. Uh, the biggest challenges are that um, I'm passionate about language, culture, youth. I'm not passionate about business. Um, so this is a business that I'm running now. So that, that's the biggest challenge. Uh, very fortunate, though. Um, I got a, a small grant from the Tuahe Foundation uh, before I started working at the Tuahe Foundation. A little seed money to, to take my homemade games off my own printer to, to try to get a somewhat professional deck made. And then uh, I was very fortunate a year ago this time to get awarded a fellowship from the Finnovation Fellowship that helps early stage entrepreneurs bring their ideas to fruition. If it wasn't for the Finnovation Fellowship, I, I really think that my lack of business knowledge really would have became a huge problem. But um, because of that fellowship, um, I gained all of the resources that I needed to, to 
pretend to be passionate about business. Um, the, the other thing that I was really worried about and I thought would be a, a big problem is part of our catalog are reimagined traditional games. And the reason that these are important are they're our culture. Just by playing them, you're immersing yourself in our culture. You don't have to learn about our culture when you're playing them and just doing it. But because they're reimagined traditional games, um, some of these games, or they all have some kind of cultural protocols that are attached to them. Mm-hmm. Say the moccasin game. That's one that that is still prevalent and you see at powwows. But the moccasin game generally, community to community, is a men's game. Women don't play that game. And I thought it was very important to do what I'm doing and bring that game to the community so they know about it. But I want to be respectful of, of our traditions. So we, we weren't sure what to do with these three games. Um, but we took tobacco to some elders and we, we told them what we were doing. And we told they know, obviously, the protocols. And we told them about our hesitations. And... Um, they came back to us and said, you know what? These aren't those games. Uh, this is not the moccasin game. And it's not. The moccasin game has a rich, complex rule system. Uh, we've really brought our rules down to a, a foundation level just so people know what it is and in, in, in the basic rules of playing. So I was really worried that I wasn't going to be able to bring these three games, the moccasin game, the bugacy game, and the snake game. Um, but... Um, yeah, it, um, as I was waiting for that shoe to drop, it never did. So if people are interested in these games, how do they find them? Uh, how, do they, how do they get them in their hands? Yeah, so we got a couple of different places we're working on. Right now, if you go to our website, uh, www.nushgay.com, there's a, a place there to, to order online. When you click that, it'll take you to um, my manufacturer, Native Teaching Aids. And they'll ship them out of Montana. You can have them in a day or two. Uh, we're in the Indigenous Food Lab. You go there, you can buy some of our games. Right now, we're at Birch Bark Books. You can buy some of our games there. Um, our wholesale list continues to go rapidly. Indigenous First in Duluth uh, just got some games. And then I'm working with the Minnesota Historical Society to get our games in all of the gift shops in their sites. Uh, particularly Malax and Jeffers Petroglyphs have been super excited. Um, but yeah, the website always works too. We could talk about Nashke games all day, uh, but we definitely want to get into you know other areas of your life, including what you do at Taiwahe. Could you talk about your role there? Yeah, so I'm the I'm the coordinator of the American Indian Family Empowerment Program. Uh, we provide I want to say investments. But the community understands microgrants better. But we're investing in the community to create positive ripple effects in individuals' lives, their families' lives, and in turn the community. Our investments into the community, they go right to the individual. There's no middle uh, organization. You apply for a grant and you are awarded the, the grant. Uh, we provide $2,500 in four different areas, health and wellness, culture and language, education, and economic independence. So if you would like an investment into your life in one of those four areas, the Tuahe Foundation is a place to go. Tuahe means family in Dakota. 
And one of our recent grantees said, uh, created that uh, Tuahe means having family wherever you're at. That was great. Can't wait to get my hands on one of these games. I know. Go get all competitive and learn language and culture at the same time. I'm sure Marvin and I could get into it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Miigwech, Tony. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabman. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.